everybody out there in podcast land, you have set your dial to CSWR, episode number 25. We also call ourselves Combat Sports with Rhino, your first best and only all-encompassing combat sports podcast. I am your host, the Rhino. We had ourselves quite the night of fights last night, which we will get into momentarily. Uh, on today's show, we're going to have our breakdown of last night's fight night from the Apex Center in Las Vegas. Uh, we're going to have our main card picks for next week's uh, pay-per-view. Drea will come on for her Twitter question reading and drop of the night. Uh, the the interview that I have at the end of the day, the 10 rounds with Rhino is going to be with Mr. Devin Powell, UFC vet, Bellator vet, WSOF vet, but his most infamous, or infamous, I should say, uh, claim to fame is the terrible, horrible injury that winded him up on TMZ, of all things. So, wonderful guy, really cool interview. You guys stay tuned for that towards the end where he goes 10 rounds with Rhino. So let's dive right in, as we love to say on our show. Let's get right into the prelims from last night. We had a, which, by the way, I picked terribly. <laughs> but it is what it is. That's why we love this sport, right? So uh, Chris Gutierrez won with a uh, second-round TKO with his brutal leg kicks that he had over Vincent Morales uh, throughout the fight. Really good showing by Gutierrez with those leg kicks. Definitely look out for him in the future. Uh, Louis Smolka, man, got subbed in the first round by Casey Kenny. Casey Kenny, the tough LFA vet. Uh, yeah, he took got him down and got him with the uh, got him with a submission in the very first round. So uh, Casey Kenny gets a big win. Uh, moving on to Tim Elliott, I did not see this one going this way. Tim Elliott was in control. They had some great scrambles. Tim Elliott seemed to be able to take down Brandon Royval at will, but Royval stuck his nose to the grindstone, kept working and plugging away. And got the uh, got the head and arm choke, the uh, arm triangle uh, in round two. So good on him for Brandon Royval. Uh, next was my favorite one of the prelims. I talked about it before. I talked about it on last show. I'm super high on Jamal Hill, not just because I think he's a great prospect, but because he's from my beloved home state of Michigan. He comes out fighting the very tough Clinton Abreu, uh, much more experienced guy, has wins over Johnny Walker and uh, Sam Alvey. Very tough dude, but Jamal didn't care. Jamal came out, got the first round TKO. It started with a big, beautiful knee to the body, which put uh, Abreu down. And he finished with some ground and pound. Great on you, Jamal Hill. We'll talk more about you later on in the show. Then we had uh, the kind of the, the late replacement. We had the Rodriguez versus Green fight, which was so fun. Okay, what a fucking fight. Uh, Green on what, what do they say, two or three days notice came in. Uh, Rodriguez had already fought in the UFC, but Rodriguez had the much cleaner punching, right? He had the beautiful one-twos. He he definitely was landing a lot more, but Green, man, to his credit, was a ball of energy, was staying in there, staying in the pocket, trying, right? He wasn't getting the better of Rodriguez at all, but he was trying, and he did a, he did a great job uh, defensively boxing, which I talk later about in our in our questions portion of the show, the fan Q and A, if you will. So uh, yeah, Rodriguez got the clear UD over Green, but really, really fun fight. I really enjoyed that one. Great performance by both guys. Uh, speaking of great performances, man, the the featured prelim, Caitlin Chukagian versus Antonio Shevchenko. Again, I called this one completely wrong. Okay, full disclosure, Caitlin Chukagian had no problem taking Antonia down. Uh, ground and pounding, searching for subs. Antonia, to her credit, for the first two rounds, really uh, was able to shuck off the sub attempts from Chukagian, but ate a lot of shots on the ground and pound uh, from Caitlin. And then the third round, they stayed mostly standing. 
but nothing really of note happened. Uh, Caitlin did get a takedown later in the round, so Caitlin just dominated uh, to get get herself a very clear unanimous decision uh, over Antonia Shevchenko. So we are now going into our main card where we had the bump up from the prelims. We had Spike the Alpha Ginger Carlisle versus Billy Quarantillo. And uh, Spike exploded across the cage, right? Like, as soon as the referee said go, he came in, he tried like a Spartan kick or a fly kick of some sort, I'm not even sure. Um, he had good ground and pound the rest of the way. Yeah, the second round, both guys held top position. They had some beautiful scrambles. They both tried some subs. Uh, Spike was going more for ground and pound. Billy was more going for subs. Then in the third round, man, Billy was dominant. Orantio was dominant. I, I, honest to God, I think they said they ended up being like, it ended up being like 28 strikes to two or something like that in the third. So definitely should have won the third round. But I actually had Spike winning the first two. The judges saw it differently. They gave the unanimous decision uh, two rounds to one to Billy. The only, yeah, I mean, again, both guys really had a good performance, particularly on the ground with the scrambles and showing their toughness. The Alpha Ginger, my man, you when you hear the clap for 10 seconds left, you don't get up and turn your back and walk away. I think you learned that the hard way when you caught another punch and uh, take that with a couple of seconds left. But again, that was a fun performance. Good job by both guys. So uh, moving on to Mackenzie Dern coming off of her uh, maternity layoff from having her first child going against Hannah Cyphers. This was quick, quick, quick stuff, man. <laughs> Hannah did a good job of closing the distance and getting a nice knee in the clinch on Mackenzie. But then Mackenzie uh, roll got her down, put her in a knee bar. And here is the fun staff from last night. That is the first leg lock submission in women's UFC history. That's a pretty great accomplishment. Very cool. Mackenzie Jordan, we all know how good she is on the ground. She's looking to come back soon in uh, June or July. So definitely a great win for her. It's always cool to see something historic, uh, you know, in the UFC with something that hasn't happened before. DC mentioned that last night. So, yeah, very cool. Good on Mackenzie Dern. Oh, and then next, my other, the other heartfelt, warmed the rhino's heart portion of last night. Roosevelt Roberts versus Brock. Boo! Brock Weaver, boo! Brock Weaver. Uh, 10 to 9 first round for Roosevelt. Getting cleaner strikes. Uh, he went for a standing guillotine. Brock seemed like he was still in the fight. Uh, you know, he tried some things, but Roosevelt Roberts' length, I think his... Cleaner punching, you know, Brock came more with the wide winging style shots. Roosevelt was going right down the pipe. Got the second round submission with an RNC in the uh, in the second over Brock. Brock Weaver, I don't hate you as a human being. I hate what you did in dogfighting. You cannot do that and expect people to support and like you. Dogs are life. I love them so much. Thank you, Roosevelt Roberts, for giving us that win and lumping up and then submitting Brock Weaver. Brock, change your ways, buddy. Okay. Moving our way into our next fight, we had Blagoy Ivanov versus Augusto Sakai, the heavyweights, which you, everyone knows is that's my favorite division. Uh, Blagoy landed some nice punches in the first round. Sakai was more kicks, right? He was more kick-oriented, leg kicks, body kicks. Did a good job with that. Uh, there was strong leg kicks in the second round for Sakai, who seemed to be, I don't know, better cardio. You know what I mean? I think he looked like he was fresher. Uh, he kept moving forward. Blagoy was still in the fight. Uh, in the third round, both did well, although they were clearly tired. The the one point of contention I had was, so I had Blagoy winning the first, and I had uh, Augusto winning the second. In the third, I thought Sakai was getting the better of Blagoy as well. But then, as we all know, when Blagoy was getting ready to take him down off that 
sweep and throw uh, by the fence. Sakai grabbed the fence with a full hand and pulled it. He kept him from going over. And for some reason, Herzog, the referee, he missed it. I couldn't believe it. It was that egregious. It was that clear as day that he held the fence to keep him going down. But he did. He got a little warning, but he did not get a point taken away. So, yeah, it ended up being a uh, split decision. I don't know what judge had it for Blagoy 30 to 27. That guy was not in the right mind of things. Um, so, but again, split decision Augusto. I thought Augusto should have won unless he had that point taken away in the third, which should have been a draw. So uh, good fight. It was an entertaining fight. I enjoyed it. <clears throat> and then we're moving our way to our main event from last night. Tyron of the chosen one, Woodley versus Gilbert Burns. Um, yeah. What to say about last night, man. Uh, Gilbert came out right away. Guns blazing, cut open Tyron over his left eye. And then controlled the remainder of the fight. I don't know. There's really not much else to say. He just really was. It was one-way traffic, as we love to say here on Combat Sports with Rhino. Uh, Gilbert looked great. Tyron looked old and slow and hesitant. And not like the Tyron that we're used to seeing of old. So, yeah, we'll talk more about what's next for Tyron and those guys next a little bit down the line on the card. So, at this point, my man D. Reigns let us give Dre a call where we're going to get our into our Twitter questions, our 250 main card picks, her drop of the night, all things with our future playa, Drea. And now joining us, my dear friend, the feature playa, Drea, at Drea underscore MMA. Drea, thank you so much for joining us again this week. We are going to change the format just a little bit, and we are going to start with your Drea's drop of the night, the famous segment on Combat Sports with Rhino, Drea's drop of the night. What did you have? from last night's extravaganza from the Apex Center. Drea? Well, last night didn't have any crazy KO finishes, but the drop that stood out to me the most was definitely Jamal Hill's TKO finish over Clayton Abreu. Uh, Jamal dropped him at the very beginning, but Abreu was able to recover. Uh, But then towards the end of round one, Jamal threw this knee to the body, which dropped him, and he finished him off with the ground and pound. Um, it was a quick, beautiful finish. So my drop of the night definitely goes to Jamal Sweet Dreams Hill. Oh, if ever there was a fight to co-sign on the drop of the night, <laughs> it's going to get co-signed by the Rhino on Jamal Sweet Dreams Hill. And it has nothing to do with, well, it has something to do with the fact that uh, he's I'm, from Michigan. He's from Michigan. <laughs> I'm from Michigan. You're from Michigan. I'm from Michigan. So, yeah. you know, there might be a little nepotism going on here. But, hey, <laughs> I love the call. So, uh, let's go ahead and move on to our UFC 250 main card picks for um, for next Saturday. I'll go ahead and get started. I've got uh, Sean O'Malley getting a second round TKO over Eddie Wineland, the tough bet. Eddie Wineland, I think, is over his head. I think he'll be able to withstand a round of Sugar Sean, but it'll be Sugar Sean show, second round TKO for him. What do you got? I have Sean O'Malley as well, um, but I think it. I think it's going to go the distance, um, but O'Malley's just going to outstrike him and get the unanimous decision. So you got Sugar Sean piecing him up over all three. I got you. Mm-hmm. Uh, our next bout comes from with Neil Magny, the longtime vet. Versus Antone Anthony Rocco Martin. I've got Neil Magny's um, longtime experience, his in cage ability. I got him seeing it through, but I also have this one, uh, just like you got the last one. I have this one going to a unanimous decision for Neil Magny. What is your pick? 
I have Neil Magni as well, but a different finish. I'm going to go by TKO in the second. TKO in the second for Mr. Neil Magni. Okay. One I am very much looking forward to and has huge implications in the 135-pound division is next. We got Aljamain Sterling, my boy Al Joe versus Corey Sanhagen, who I also really, really like. I think this one has uh, the potential to be a phenomenal fight, super-duper close. Um, I do have Corey Sanhagen edging it out at a unanimous decision for Corey Sanhagen. I have Corey Hans, excuse me, Corey Sanhagen um, outstriking Sterling and getting the TKO in the third. TKO in the third is Dreas pick for Sanhagen versus Sterling. All right, moving our way up to Rafael Asuncao versus Cody Garbrandt. Now, Cody Garbrandt has had a, uh, we'll call it a streak of rough <laughs> goes in the octagon as of late um, after being the titleist. Uh, I think this is the time for Cody to come back. I think he's taken enough time off. I think he will have shored up some of the holes, i.e. keeping his chin tucked and his hands up. So even against the tough vet, Rafael Sunsau, I got Cody Garbrandt winning by second round TKO in their fight. What is your pick, Drea? Exactly the same. I'm taking Cody Garbrandt. I'm hoping this is his time to come back. Um, was not happy with his last few fights. So uh, I'm also taking Cody by TKO in the second. So great and, minds are thinking alike on this one. Yes, and let me see. What's the and? Dear God, I hope he shaves that beard off because he does not <laughs> look good with a beard. Did you see the picture? Yes, I, I saw the picture. Yesterday. Some people can do a beard and some people can't. And he, I'm sorry, but he needs to shave that shit off. That's okay. Well, that was okay. my end. <laughs> you can have, pull off a beard, Rhino. He cannot. Hey, all right. My beard's different, beard different than his. He's going kind of full duck dynasty. I yeah, like he looks that. like Wolverine or something. I don't know. He just looks I bad. like sticking with the Dimebag Daryl Pantera homage <laughs> beard. That's my stop. So, uh, all right. So, we're going to move on to our uh, main event. From next week's 250 main card, uh, Amanda Nunez, the uh, GOAT, the greatest female fighter in the world, the double champ, going against Felicia Spencer. Uh, Felicia Spencer is a good fighter. She's tough, uh, went deep with Cyborg. She is a good, good fighter. I really like her. I like a lot of the things she brings to the, to the table. She's a great job in the clinch. She's good on the ground. She's good on her feet. But we're talking about Amanda fucking the lioness Nunez here. I do think Felicia Spencer is going to be tougher than um, some of Amanda's previous opponents and be able to hang longer. I've actually got this, and I was a little surprised at myself at this one, but I've got Amanda Nunez not being able to finish Felicia until the fourth round. I've got fourth round TKO due to punches, mostly because of the accumulation from Amanda Nunez over Felicia Spencer. Amanda Nunez retains the 145-pound belt, fourth round TKO. Drea, how do you see that one going? Of course, I'm going Amanda Nunez. Um, I think she's going to finish her in the third, though. Um, I'm saying TKO in the third. I think she'll drop her and finish her with ground and pound in the third. All right. So that is the Combat Sports with Rhino Cruise picks for next weekend's fights. So at this point, Drea, we are going to dive right into our Twitter questions. I know our first Twitter question comes from my dear homie, Region Sweet Potato up in Canada. And what is Region's first question? Because we will see Region twice in this segment. But what's Region Potato's first question? 
As a professional fighter yourself, perhaps you could pull back the curtain and trash talk. Why do fighters refer to their opponents as bums or downplay their skills? From my perspective as a fan, calling your opponent a bum is counterproductive. If you beat them, so what? You beat a bum. If you lose, well, you just lost to a bum. Hyping up your opponent, however, and saying things like, he's the toughest challenge I've faced yet, leaves it a bit more open-ended, and no matter the outcome, you don't look like an ass. Your thoughts? This is, again, reason you are batting a thousand as far as asking great questions, my friend. Um, I, myself, throughout my career, I was never much of a trash talker. Some fighters need to do that uh, for motivation or to try to convince themselves that their opponent sucks. And the reason they're doing that is to give themselves confidence, right? So it's 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 terrifying to get in there to fight another well-trained fighter. It's a terrifying task. Any fighter who says it's not is lying uh, and trying to look tougher than they really are because it's we're all scared, right? It is it is a it is a situation where you're sitting in the back and you are waiting for your turn to be called, and you are. I mean, roller coaster of emotions, but the, pre the prevailing one is fear. Okay. So I think, you, and obviously you don't want to be scared. You don't want to um, feel like you're inferior or inadequate uh, before going against your opponent. So I think some guys do that to break down to try to even convince themselves that, yeah, my opponent sucks. So I'm going to say, I'm going to talk it into existence. My opponent sucks. I'm not going to get hurt. I'm in no danger to try to give themselves that little bit of extra confidence that they might need. Um, yeah. I've always agreed with you though. I never understood why, you know, what, what would you say? Like insulting your opponent by saying they suck uh, or diminishing their abilities or what kind of skill sets they have. It doesn't do you any good to, to beat them because you've already said all these things and then to, to, to lose to them makes you look even worse. So I agree with you. But again, I think my thought process is, that it's just a way to give yourself confidence and to kind of quell the fear that comes along with being a pro fighter. So great question, my man. And we will, uh, we will hear from you a little bit later in the segment. We have our second question comes from Phil, the MMA dude from the always amazing split decision podcast. And Dre, what does Phil have for us this week? What is the ceiling for rising star Jamal Hill? He's a light heavyweight who remains undefeated after his extremely impressive TKO win over Clyde Abreu. Two questions. Who should Hill fight next? And will he ever fight for a world title in the UFC? <laughs> you threw me off with that pause there for a second. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's okay. I was like, oh man, did we lose Drea? Uh, so <laughs> Phil, yeah, Phil, the, the great question, my friend. Uh, Jamal Hill is for real. That was only his eighth pro fight. He is tall. He fights tall, which is a big difference. A lot of guys are tall, but don't fight tall. He does. He uses his range. He is so calm and cool and collected in there. His, his ability to turn off the anxiety is, is impeccable for someone of only having eight pro fights. Uh, he hits hard. Okay. He has, he has great reaction time. If you watch him defensively, he has a great way to get out of the way of strikes he has a great way to shuck off the uh, when people try to take him down. He is very sound defensively. I am so impressed with him, top to bottom. And again, so he's from Michigan, so of course I'm very high on him. But I'm not talking about him like I'm watching him through rose-colored glasses. I'm not. I see him for what he is. I really, really have a high upside with him. I'm willing to say at this point, I would love to see him go against a top 15, one of the guys in the bottom of the top 15. I'm talking Shogun. I'm talking 
uh, Ankalaev. I'm talking Span. These are all guys I think he can show his skill set against and beat. So, yes, I absolutely think he's got what it takes to be a titleist in the future. That's my opinion on Jamal, not just because he's from Michigan, but for all the reasons I previously said. So, thank you, Phil. If you guys haven't already, always check out the uh, the Split Decision Podcast, him and the Fight Geek. It's always a fun time, great pod. So, check those guys out. And next, our question comes from, okay, my homie, Mr. B. Mr. B has been an OG Rhino Gang member from the jump. He is a wonderful guy, uh, always positive, always keeping it cool. Great friend of the show. I love, love, love the guy. And this is, I think this is the first time he's ever asked a question. So I'm very excited for this. What did Mr. B have for us, Drea? Two questions, my guy. Number one, on a scale of one to 10, where do you rate the boxing in Rodriguez versus Green? And number two, who would you like to see Woodley face next? Okay, so to answer the first one, the boxing, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speak about Rodriguez first. Offensively, his boxing was really sharp. He did a great job of uh, throwing straight, throwing combos in the correct, you know what I mean, in the correct fashion. He looked at his target. He, he, he did a great job of boxing offensively. Conversely, so I give him an eight. I give him an eight on the boxing, and I'm just talking about his offensive boxing. Uh, his defense could use some shoring up, but I don't want to, you know, I don't want to talk about that too much. So, uh, and then conversely, Green did a great job, even though he ate a lot of strikes. You want to talk about great head movement, nice slipping, some good parrying. Uh, he did a good job getting his hands up. He was a really good defensive boxer last night. It just so happens that Rodriguez was a better offensive, right? But I give Green a solid seven uh, defensively. His offensive boxing, not so good. A lot of wide stuff, some stuff that, you know, some of those high kicks were you know, I, I know that's not boxing, but I'm talking about striking. Some of those high kicks were really far off and it took away from his punching. He seemed to be more interested in kicking is what I'm getting at. So yeah, I'm getting, I'm giving him a solid seven for defensive boxing. Rodriguez, a solid eight, very, very uh, impressive for both of those guys. Uh, what's next for T wood. Here's, here's what I'm picking. And we'll talk about it more later. If I could pick uh, two fights for Tyron Woodley next, uh, one would be Cowboy Cerrone. And the other one would be Anthony Showtime Pettis. These are two guys I would love to see him fight at 170. I think it'd be fun for the fans, both two Wiley veterans. I think it'd be a good fight. I think it'd be a fun fight. So that's what I hope to see next for T-Wood if I'm playing matchmaker. So thank you so much, Mr. B. And how cool was it that Noah Cap from Carnival Eats shouted us out the other day, Yumi and Cyrus, man. That was so fun. So uh, speaking of Cyrus, our main man, Cyrus at Cyrus King. Uh, the king of the food posts. What does he have for us this week, Drea? Question for the cast. With Tyron Woodley's awful performance, do you see him return? Uh, my friend Cyrus, no, I, I don't. At this point, he needs to step way down in competition, though. His, uh, his performances, although against really good guys, his last two were bad, right? They were bad. Um, at this at this rate, he's got to go down the competition ladder. I'd like to see him go. Like I just said with um, with my man, Mr. B, I'd like to see him pet as a cowboy. I think those would be competitive fights. I think those are guys that he could um, maybe pull the trigger a little bit more with, maybe show the tyrant of old. I mean, I know we, we saw the clips of him training in Thailand, trying to shore up his Mo Muay Thai. We didn't see a whole lot of that last night. Uh, so, again, for me, I'd like to see him go against with – Go against uh, Anthony Showtime Pettis or Cowboy Cerrone. So that's what I'd like to see, uh, my man Cyrus. So uh, now we have the second Raging Sweet Potato question, Drea. What did 
Raisin have for us on this one? He says, another question for you this week. A real wriggler for your noodle. Split decisions. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that made me giggle. That made me giggle, man. Split decisions. Are they a result of bad judging or good matchmaking? They are a combination of both raisin sweet potato, but if I'm going to lean one more, it's it's better matchmaking. I mean, even it's more to do with good matchmaking, even if a, like a judge is totally inept, which we have seen you know, over the years, but there aren't many that are totally inept. Even if a judge is totally inept, they can usually tell if the fight is close or not. Again, last night we saw the 30-27 for Blagoy by the one judge. I don't know what on earth they were watching. Sakai clearly won the second and probably the third, right? Even if you, you know, so again, that was pretty terrible, but for the most part, I think it's I think it's good matchmaking. I think you find guys who are similar in skill set, who have an ability to have a close fight. And that takes a skill. That's a talent. You know what I mean? Joe Silva before, Mick Maynard now, all the brass at the UFC who make these fights, they have to really do their homework and research. So when you get a split decision, I think it has more to do with the matchmaking than it does with the judging. So, man. Raises sweet potato again. Great question, my friend. And then we've got one more from our dear homie, Dave Fretz, at Dave Fretz, at Solo Shoes, the Einstein of graphic design, my good friend and yours. What does he have for us this week, Drea? Hey, Combat Sports with Rhino. Question for the show. Given the Burns victory, lay out what you'd see as the fights to make in the UFC welterweight division right now, title and contention race. So this was a great question, Dave. Um, there's lots to do at 170. As much as I can't stand him, Colby Covington really, in my eyes, earned another shot at Kamara Usman. The, he was actually winning the fight before he got stopped. The pace that he brings, the bad blood between the two, I think it's a very compelling rematch. And I also think this time, Kamara will knock him clean out. So these are lots of factors into why I want to see Colby Covington get the next shot at Kamara Usman. Uh, a couple other fights at 170 I'd love to see made are uh, Jorge Masvidal versus Leon Edwards. We know about the three-piece in the soda. We know that they are both top-tier 170 guys. I would love to see that fight. I think that would be very interesting to see how that went. I think that's a 50-50 fight, to be honest with you, uh, Jorge versus Leon. And then uh, after Burns's decision win last night and how dominant he was against T-Wood, I think he deserves a step up. And I'd love to see him against one of my very favorite fighters, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. I haven't heard that name get brought up too much in the mix of 170, but that's a fight I would love to see. That would make sense. I think it'd be a lot of fun stand-up. Burns with a super aggressive style, uh, Wonderboy with the counter style and the karate. I, again, I think that, that may, matchup makes a lot of sense. It'd be a lot of fun. So that's what I see at 170 for uh, hopefully for this upcoming year. So thank you so much, Dave Fretz, and thank you again for your – bomb-ass poster of my guest today, Devin Powell. You are the fucking man. So, Drea, that concludes our Twitter question reading portion. You have knocked out your, your Drea's drop of the night, your 250 main card picks, and six Twitter questions. How do you feel right now? Awesome, and I can't wait for next week's fight. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm the exact same way. I love the layout of the Apex Center last night. I thought it looked cool. Mm -hmm. um, again, I wish they could put like even like a hundred people in there at socially distance. I, I would I would love that if they could. You know, mm -hmm. I, don't even, I would love that just for a little bit of crowd noise. But overall, still a very cool situation for 
what we're all dealing with. And uh, yeah, very cool. I'm very much looking forward to you too. And I'm looking forward to the the Instagram page that you have created. Can you tell our <laughs> listeners about the new Instagram page? By the way, I don't do Instagram. I don't know that world. I'm Twitter. I'm Twitter for life. Okay, I'm real loyal <laughs> to the brand, but Drea knows Instagram. She has done a, she's done an Instagram for Combat Sports of Ronald Drea. What can you tell us about that? Um, I can just tell you that I created it. It is uh, the handle is Combat Sports with Rhino. So go ahead and look that up. Uh, give us a follow. I have gone in there and kind of started um, following people that we already follow on Twitter. Uh, if I haven't already followed you uh go ahead and give us a follow and we will follow back um i have started the page started some um posters on the page of guests that we've had that you can check out um so so far it's looking pretty awesome so i totally agree yeah absolutely i totally agree and yes drea is she is she is a multi-talented multi-faceted member of this crew she has put forth this instagram page because i don't know how to do that and i'm very appreciative (laughs) for that and so drea thank you so much and we will absolutely love to hear everything that we've got for you next week all right see you next week and now we are into our uh call-in questions of today's show i know my first one comes from my main man jim soon big jim from canada mr it's always 420 so, Big Jim, what do you got for us today, my friend? What's going on, you bunch of fucking casuals? Hope everybody's doing well. Uh, my question for you this week, Rhino, is uh, your boy, Jamal Hill. That Mexican boy did quite well. Representing you all very well, very, very well. Uh, that's my question for you this week, is what you think is next for that boy? Um... Uh, Definitely did well for himself last night. I know they're both fairly new, but come on. Kid are pretty impressive. So that's my question for y'all. What's next for him? Uh, it is what it is. And you know, it's always 420. And when I say peace, I really do mean it for the U.S. I really are praying for peace for y'all over there. Stay strong. Stay united. Stay home. And stay safe. Peace. Yeah, man, Jamal Hill is for real, and, and it makes me—it really makes me happy. Okay, uh, I said it on Phil's question a little bit. I'd love to see Sweet Dreams get in there with a kind of the lower tier of the top fifteen, maybe the last two or three guys, thirteen, fourteen, or fifteen. So uh, I would love Shogun. I think that'd be a great fight. Span would be another one I would love to see. Uh, so yeah, I think that's what I hope that's what's next for Jamal. I don't think you need to put him against other guys. Uh, who are way down the ladder. I think he's too talented and too skilled for that. And I think he needs to get a test. And I think he will rise to that occasion. So on that point, that, that's who I have for uh, for my man Jamal Sweet Dream Hill. And uh, thank you, man. I, I, know, I know things are crazy out there right now. I know that um, there's so many people who are so angry, rightfully so. Uh, again, I always lead back to, you know, we got to love each other and we got to figure out ways to make things just for all of us, not just some. So thank you very much, uh, Jim. I know our next question comes from my dear friend, Juice, from the Fighting With Myself podcast. And Juice, what do you have for us today? Oh, hi, Rhino. It's me, Juice, from the Fighting With Myself podcast. 
We had an amazing night of fights last night, and you're going to get tons of credible questions from the great people of MMA Twitter, and I'm sure Dre has got an amazing drop of the night to talk about. There were plenty to choose from. But I'd like to talk about something important, something meaningful, and, well, to be quite honest, something profound. I'd like your opinion, and um, I would love for, for Dre to chime in as well. Who, in your opinion, male or female, has the best ass in the UFC? And you can you can do one for each if you like, if you're so inclined. Love you. Love the show. Peace. <laughs> Juice is coming at us with the hard hitting questions this afternoon. This afternoon, who's got the best ass? <laughs> who's got the best ass in the UFC? Eh? Uh, uh, for real, if I got to pick one for me, my favorite is Rachel Ostrovich. I, I, I know that she's not the best fighter in the world, and I know people get upset with her doing what, quote-unquote, thirst trapping online and whatnot. But where you ask me a question, and I'll give you my honest answer. I think Rachel Ostrovich has my favorite, but uh, I asked Drea the same thing off-air, and hers was Tyron Woodley. So even though he took a bad beating last night and got beat, she still thinks his butt is the best. So, again, for me, Rachel Ostrovich has the best booty, and for Drea, it is Tyron Woodley. Um, so thank you Ahmed, for adding a little bit of levity uh, to the day. I appreciate it. If you guys don't already, of course, man, check out Juice's Funny With Myself podcast. I, I love his show. I love the – he has a totally different outlook on things than I do. Uh, he can sing, which I cannot. He has a – he has his own show on himself, and it is so cool and fun to listen to. So definitely check out Juice at the Funny With Myself podcast. So those are the two Twitter uh, call-in, excuse me, the two call-in questions that we had for the day. So now, without further ado, let us check out the 10 Rounds with Rhino segment, which everybody loves, including you, the host, myself. This one today, this week, we got my man Devin Powell I mean, you want to talk about a guy who has overcome a, a traumatic, terrible injury to have more success in MMA? It's this guy. He's been around a long time. Fantastic fighter. WSOF. Bellator. UFC veteran. Okay? You don't go to these organizations and stay in the top tier unless you are a fantastic fighter. Uh, has taken his lumps and his bumps and just keeps on ticking. My man, Devin Powell. So check out 10 Rounds with Rhino with Devin Powell. Ladies and gentlemen who are fans of Combat Sports with Rhino, we've got another wonderful treat for you today. We got my man Devin Powell, Bellator Lightweight Supreme, coming in for us today to do 10 rounds with Rhino. Devin, thank you so much for joining us today, my friend. Yeah, you're welcome. Not a problem. Awesome, dude. So uh, I kind of explained the premise before, but basically we, we have what's called 10 rounds with Rhino. So it's just basically 10 questions. And round one is pretty much the same for everybody. I love hearing the backstory so what got Devin Powell in MMA originally so I uh I used to play music when I was younger I used to play in a band and uh that's the only thing I cared about in high school was playing guitar and playing shows and so entertainment and uh performing in front of an audience was always something that um kind of spoke to me and I, I love that thrill um you know the preparation of being in a you know in the, the practice room um, getting your songs ready and then going and being uh, subjected to the, you know, the opinions of the audience. Um, and after I graduated, all that kind of fizzled out because everyone moved away, went to college, 
um, and I started working at a passport center because I didn't really want to go to school, and I tried it for a year, and I hated it, so um, where I was at, I was kind of the walking dead at an un- unhappy job um, with, with nothing that I was doing for, uh, you know, a hobby or a passion, so I would go home every night, and I'd watch WEC Wreckage, where Carlos Condit and uh, Mike Brown and Uriah would be just wrecking shop, so yes. you know, Dom Cruz, all those guys, they, uh, they kind of gave me that vision that I could go and try out MMA and, and maybe find that audience again and go perform um, just in a lot more violent manner than I did with my guitars. So I did that. That's, so, I that's awesome. Yeah. So the rest is history. Hey, guy, dude, I love the fact that you just brought up the WEC. We don't, it doesn't get talked about enough. Like uh, when my buddies and I talk about MMA, it often gets brought up with a very nostalgic twist to it god we love the wec so very cool man uh maine the state that you are from is one of the most beautiful places in the country uh not really known for its mma scene uh nationally at least you know it's more known for its beautiful scenic nature and obviously the lobster there but uh is the scene kind of slept on in maine is there an mma scene that's kind of uh upcoming there or or not so much yeah so maine definitely has a lot of gyms but um, there's not too many, like, conglomo gyms, you know, like, there's nothing like the American top teams, you know, or AKAs, things like that. I was the champion of the league, New England Fights, and that's where I fought for uh, Dana White looking for a fight and get signed to the UFC and fought for them for a little while. Um, but there, there's not really too many uh, too many gyms in Maine. There, there's a handful. Young's MMA is a really strong one. Um, you know, there's uh, CMBJJ. There's uh, yeah, there, there's, there's a few, but um, but there, there's not too many. What I do is I, I have a gym in New Hampshire, actually. I live in Wells, Maine, but the gym I own, Nostos MMA, is in New Hampshire. And then me and a lot of my guys actually travel down to Joe Lozon's gym in Massachusetts to do some cross-training. And a lot of the other gyms in the Northeast all go there so that we can kind of train together and almost be like this um, – this hybrid thing where you know we represent our own gyms when we go fight and we kind of stay away from fighting each other as far as those who cross train there um, right we, we plan on being able to compete with those elite fighters that have the uh you know the people that come from all over the world to live at the dorms or you know buy houses in america or you know however they they make the trip over to live at you know whether it's coconut creek florida or wherever aka is you know it's uh it's a lot to try and compete with. So we, we try and bring that crew together at Joe's gym. And a lot of us that are managed by top game management, Tyson Chartier, we, um, you know, we, we all kind of stay to that pack and we all go to skill of strength in Massachusetts with Mike Perry, um, to try and make sure we're, we're ready to, to always go 15 or 25. So Maine is, uh, it's a strong community, but there, you know, the MMA is, uh, you know, there, there's only a handful of gyms, and gotcha. I would say I might be the only UFC, Bellator, and World Series of Fighting veteran ever out of the state of Maine. You know, like, I, I know there's some guys that have fought for one or the other, like Tim Bosch has been in the UFC forever, and I believe he grew up in Maine. I think Mike Brown was born in Maine, or at least... I think uh, I think Tim Sylvia was originally from Maine. I think they called him the Maniac, and they yeah, spelled Sylvia it like the state Maine of Maine. Too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, very cool, man. I just, I did, you know, I'm from Michigan, and uh, 
I, you know, I'd heard, I think Marcus Davis is originally from Maine too, but I mean, I knew there's only a handful of guys. So I really, I was just completely ignorant to the scene up there. So now I know a little bit more and I, I appreciate you answering that for me. So, uh, you did mention, the, uh, you did. I, I fought a guy from Marcus's gym to get into the UFC. So oh, Marcus, right? <laughs> uh, Marcus, I think he cornered him, um, a kid, John Lemke, when I fought on Dana White looking for a fight. Um, he was one of his students for a long time. So I was fighting against Marcus Davis in a way. Um, That's very true. <laughs> yeah, exactly, <laughs> dude. Uh, so you mentioned it a little bit before. So you, you had a four-fight streak in, in the UFC, and now you're signed to Bellator. You had a huge win, which we're going to talk about here in a little bit. Um, what has kind of been the the transition? Has it been very easy going from the one promotion to the other? Uh, were there some obstacles in the way? Can you kind of walk us through how that went? You know, honestly, so I had a, a one-off fight with Bellator. Um, and I, I mean, they were a great company. I liked working with them. Um, honestly, what I'm looking for right now is another uh, contract. I'm looking, you know, I, I would be willing to fight on Fight Island. I'd be willing to fight on Bellator if I got the contract. I'd be willing to go to Japan and, and fill out some bucket list stuff with 1FC. Um, I've just I've been fighting and competing for over a decade. Um you know, so it's it's I haven't had too much wear and tear. You know, I don't have a million fights, but I've been training hard six days a week for, you know, over over a decade in, in getting in that cage. So I need to get compensated fairly to, to be able to um, justify signing the contract. So sure. You know, I'm, I would love to get a, uh, a main card um, contract for Bellator. You know, that's where you make the better money. Um, to compete with the UFC, you know, you need to be on like the, the main card kind of setup. Um, and that's what I would like, you know, or, you know, if, uh, with the world being in chaos right now, if Fight Island needs people from America that have USADA, um, testing pool backgrounds, you know, give me a call and I'm training, uh, you know, six or seven days a week. I've always been that way. Um, I'm still recovering from a knee surgery, but you know, I'm, I started rolling and I've been hitting pads and, I've been going on 30-mile bike rides and, and doing everything I can while my gym's been closed. So, yeah, you know, just, you got to stay ready so you don't have to get ready. You know, if the only thing it would be was cut, would be cutting the weight, you know, and I can go fight. Yeah, dude, that sounds that sounds awesome. I didn't know it was a uh, it was a one-off fight. So you're 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 a free agent, man. You are ready to rock and roll. Anybody who wants to put the money down in front of you, I love it. Um, yeah. So I saw switching gears a little bit. I saw a video i believe it was yesterday on the beautiful phoebe's was it her two-year birthday uh, yeah, it was, it was uh, so <laughs> two years old for those of you who don't know my listeners who don't know uh devin has a pig named phoebe and she is just about the cutest thing i've ever seen in my entire life uh how did that actually come about man how did you get a pig so i have wanted one since i was a little kid i actually um i haven't really eaten any meat since I was 14, and that pigs have always been my uh, kind of like my spirit animal. Um, so I, I've always kind of looked into having one. When I turned 18, um, I, I picked up a dog, um, my dog Eva, and I had her forever. Um, and we had decided that when you know when she finally passes away, I was going to be able to get a pig because I'd wanted one so long. And then. Uh, you know, a couple weeks actually before I fought and won with the UFC in Calgary, I came home from training um, to find my my dog Abe passed away. Oh man, uh, which is awful. You know. Just, yeah. So I went out, buried her, um, and then back to training the next morning. So kind of the 
was morbid finish to my fight camp for Calgary, but thankfully I, I pulled through with the win. But I had uh, I had been speaking with this this uh, this farm, Orange Grove Farms in Florida, that has many pigs. You know, none of them are really that many. She's still yeah, over, right. <laughs> over 100 pounds, but it's not a farm pig. You know, right, Those right, like five, six hundred pounds. But um, I'd been in, in talks with them. You know, not expecting my dog to pass away, but I was kind of hoping that I could actually get her before you know before but having three animals is a lot but you know my dog passed away and then i just talked to him they had a uh, uh a litter of uh i don't know if you even call them a litter but they, they had some that were ready to go and um you know one thing led to the next and my dog was my other dog was incredibly depressed being alone so we we uh made it happen so that three days after i came home from calgary canada i had this little tiny eight pound pig wrapped up in a blanket carried onto my doorstep uh and then we uh you know we had a pig from then on out so <laughs> that's amazing and she is just so precious man i love watching that video of her walking on the beach uh so we so you won your last fight with a beautiful mounted guillotine that's not a sub you see very often in an actual fight you see it at the gym a little bit here and there but you don't see it often in a fight is that a technique that you've drilled a lot over the years the uh, the mounted guillotine so it was uh People call it different things. Like um, I've heard people call it like the the front naked choke, and uh, you know, it, and uh, like a reverse rear naked, and different things. And it, it was honestly something that I hit everyone with my guillotine, um, and I I went for it on him, I believe, in the fight earlier. And it, you know, the style that I like to hit, it just didn't work on him. And then I switched it up on the fly. Um, it's, it's the weirdest thing, and it's not. It's not even too believable, but a few weeks earlier, if you look up um, PFL's finishes, a guy hit one. He might have been one of the guys that won the million dollars, but he hit one. He put one uh, someone to sleep with the same style guillotine, um, and I just I saw him do that, and I, I verbalized and saying I really wanted to start drilling it, but I never did. But then I switched it up to a style guillotine I never, ever do, and I've never even drilled, and I, I did it live. Um, you know, in a fight, and I finished and put him to sleep. So it was really crazy that it, it ended up working and, and going that way. But you you know you train jujitsu long enough. I'm a I'm a solid black belt. You know where to apply pressure and how to you know how to drop the, the weight into the arteries and stuff. So once I sunk it in, I just dropped my hips in the right way and I knew it was tight. And then uh, when I let go and he started wrestling the ref, I knew uh, clearly he went to sleep. So it was uh, pretty pretty crazy. <laughs> I'm glad, dude, I'm glad I asked that question. That was an amazing answer for that one. <laughs> um, so the uh, the kind of the elephant in the room when anybody talks to you is they bring up the the injury, the terrible injury to the, tes- to the testicle. Yes, so I don't want to get too much into that. But what I do want to know is when you and Joe are trading together or if you guys go out for a drink or, or food or whatever, do you ever look at me like, dude, don't you think you ought to pay for this? I mean, consider it. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's. He's always, uh, like, Joe is Joe. Joe is the nicest, most giving guy ever. But he's also very, very blunt about everything. He'll tell you if something's stupid, you know, if, if he agrees with it, if he doesn't. Um, but he's he's very straightforward. And he always just says, hey, man, it was the best um, it, it was the best career move of, uh, you ever had. <laughs> I, was, uh, I was fighting with the UFC. Um, I had two decision losses, one that... You know, it was a split decision where I doubled my opponent's strike count. And I right. really thought I won, but 
Um, you know, it was one of those things where I won the third round, he won the second. Um, I controlled more than the first half of the the first round, but then I, I scored a takedown, got reversed, and I stuck on bottom. I got stuck on bottom for the second half of that round, and nothing happened. But, the you know, the judges, two of them just gave him that first round. So I was stuck with um, no wins and, uh, you know, in a, a, a really terrible position, really, to be with the biggest league in the world. Um, and it was... It'd been like almost a year not getting calls, anything, not knowing what was going on. Um, just begging for a fight, asking, you know, constantly trying to get something. And then I get injured, um, and then I end up on TMZ and Barcelona. Right. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the Jim Rome show and all this stuff. And then Jim Rome, this big, uh, this this big uh, network, you know, he asked me, "What do you, you know, what's your your final message?" And I said, "I just want everyone to tweet." Sean Shelby and Dana and the UFC and just tell them I want my third fight. I want to fight. And uh, sure enough, you know, I'd recovered from the surgery. Just actually only only a little bit at this point. Like, um, yeah, I recovered a, a month after surgery. I, I asked to fight De- uh, Evan Dunham because he his fight fell through and they didn't give me the fight. I tried to take that fight on 30 days notice. I didn't get it. Um, and then I, I recovered a little bit more from that surgery. And then I get a call asking if I wanted to fight a kid on 30 days notice again in Calgary, Canada. Um, and that was 13 months after my last fight. So, you know, I had 30 days to prepare, still recovering from a ruptured testicle compliments. Right. But, I, you know, there's a good chance I wouldn't have gotten a call, period, if, you know, if I didn't get all that publicity from a horrible injury. So, <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Uh, yeah, for you and uh, you and Bryce Mitchell, man, you guys have had the worst injuries of all time uh, to the man region. So we're all glad you're on the men and uh, back to business. So, yeah, you you mentioned it. You've been training for a decade, but you have only had 14 uh, pro fights. I know there's a million factors that go into that. I haven't been a pro fighter myself for 10 years. Um, is there a number that you have in mind or that you had in mind when you first got started? Like, I want to have at least this many. Or does that not really – uh play into what you think about it's uh it never really was a number it was really more of a a physical well-being for me Mm -hmm. um you know i so i don't i don't spar hard unless it's uh like if i get a fight lined up i'll do a couple hard sparring sessions but i try and save that for the fights and that being said i haven't had a million fights you look at guys like alistar overeem who speak pretty you know pretty uh intelligently and he's got like 65 fights and he's also been knocked out seven or eight probably honestly probably more than that he's been knocked out a good amount of times um over his k1 and uh you know ufc and strike force and yeah he's know, actually got he's actually, yeah, yeah dude, he's got like oh, over no. 90 fights and yeah he's been knocked yeah. out a bunch of times dude so and not and that's never what i want you know i i always right. kind of thought honestly if i ever got knocked out that's where i'd reevaluate stuff i've never been officially knocked down in a fight i've never um you know i've never been in a legitimate submission attempt in my life i've honestly never i haven't taken much damage in my career i broke my orbital i've had some injuries like tore my knee a couple times in fights um i uh, i had the hyphema in my eyeball where i went went blind for a handful of hours but i i haven't taken too much damage and in training again i don't spar hard so it's never been a number of fights and if you look back to before i get signed the ufc um i fought four times in six months you know and yeah, you know, I, I'm fine with being active. The UFC just gave me a 13 month layoff, um, and now I'm recovering from a knee surgery. Um, and then, 
yeah, it's uh, it's really not not a lot of it's been my goal to be inactive. I opened up an MMA gym six years ago, as of a couple days ago, um, and when that was in its infancy, I had a decent layoff trying to you know get everything really going. And then once I felt decent with the gym, um, that's when I had that big streak of fights. When I kind of thought, all right, here's my chance to come back and to try and make a run with things, and I did that. And and you know things are still going well. I'm I'm still only 32, and I don't right. have a lot of damage to my to my brain or my body. A few things that I have to, you know, mend, just like anyone else who does a crazy ass sport where you're getting beat up for a living. Sure. Um, but yeah, I, I think that I still have, you know, I, I still have a little bit of time in this. You know, I train with Calvin and Rob um, and Mike Rodriguez, those guys all at skill strength. And Calvin's uh, like a week younger or something than me, you know, and he's uh, at the absolute, well, I wouldn't, I'm not going to say the peak. That kid can be world champ. And I, I hope to sure. see that. And I think it will happen. But, you know, I'm, I'm young enough to make all that stuff happen still where I can still push further with all this. Biggest thing in my life, for sure, aside from family, is my gym. Um, everything else is bucket list, stuff, bucket list stuff. If you ask Joe his honest opinion about how good my jiu-jitsu is, I bet you he'll tell you that he thinks I can submit submit 99% of the guys out there in the UFC. Because he can, too, and he knows how good I am, on you know, with grappling. And I usually just choose to stand and bang with people, but, you know, I'm now I'm doing more cross-training and I'm... I'm being a little bit more intelligent with everything. I think uh, my fighting style, the way I, I put things together is just getting better. And at 32, it's like, this is make or break time, you know? And I, I think that um, I'm a lot more intelligent now that I've added in all that cross training and stuff. Yeah. I've often said, I've said it on the show and I've said it in life. It's not the age, it's the miles. You know what I mean? And uh, you're right. You, you know, despite the injuries that you talked about before, if you're feeling good and you're feeling healthy, and you're feeling like everything is still firing on all cylinders, there's no reason you couldn't have 10, 15 more fights, you know, depending on how you feel. So that's that's badass, dude. Um, so basically you kind of answered my ninth question earlier with the uh, looking to possibly go to Ryzen or back to the UFC or or Bellator, kind of whoever puts the contract in front of you uh, next. So that one that was kind of uh, that was kind of already a done deal. So and by the way, were you, were you talking about Rob Font when you said you, that's who you're training with? Yeah, did I did I say Calvin and Rob or what? You said Calvin and Rob, and so yeah. I didn't know if you were talking about Rob because I love I love when I I love when I can talk about Rob Font because then I can try to do my terrible boss next one. I go Rob Font. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I sound like Mayor Quimby from The Simpsons. Um, so Calvin and Rob are, are the New England cartel. They're, you know, they they run in pack. They're always together. You know, they train awesome. at Zoe's and they train it at Mike Perry's gym. They're, Is that uh, right? They're, they're both great guys they're great friends and they're uh they're the guys that they have you know there's a lot to watch in their social media but every day i go to skill of strength you know i'm i know i'm seeing those guys they're the guys those guys are such hard workers um and they're constantly at it so they both deserve everything they get um they work their ass off for it you know so I, I like being able to roll with those guys you know i've known them both for a long time calvin longer than than uh rob but uh you know it's uh it's cool seeing them get so much because they they deserve it you know right absolutely so uh Devin, we have we have rocked our way on the combat sports with rhino show to everyone's favorite 10th round the 10th and final round as we call it the wild card round so you Devin powell have been entered into a 155 tournament like the best guys in the world doesn't matter the promotion and pyramids you know like tournament style you go through you win the whole thing so you're the champion of whatever tournament we're going to call this. 
And part of your winning of this is you get to pick any vehicle in the world. It doesn't, the price has no, you know, no matter. You get to pick any vehicle in the world, your dream vehicle, and then you're going to take that dream vehicle and meet up all with all your friends and family at any restaurant in the world. What vehicle is it? And then where is everybody meeting up for the post-tournament victory dinner? Oh, man, I would uh... – <laughs> I would probably take a vehicle that goes on the water, man. Like I don't, I'm terrible with all cars. Um, I like how they look. I don't know. I don't know what they're called, but I would want to take a. Uh, you know, I'd I'd love to have a a boat that I could go and sleep in and you know have parties on and all that stuff. And um, I couldn't give you a single boat's name, um, but I, I'd probably name it something like Old Faithful. Um, <laughs> so we switched it from a car to a boat. So we're we're switching yeah. to a boat. So we got the boat. Okay. You said I think you said transportation. So I just, I just think planes, trains, automobiles. And, uh, <laughs> you boats. got it, dude. You got it. <laughs> um, I I mean honestly, if you told me I had to pick a car, I would I'd pick some the most expensive car in the world, and then I'd go where I'm going to tell you for dinner, and then I'd sell that thing, and then you know do some <laughs> renovations on my house. <laughs> But so uh, I, yeah, so where would, yeah, where would you take the crew for the big post-fight meal? What's your favorite restaurant? It's my uh, my grandmother's restaurant. Um, wow. Uh, two, two rivers, two rivers lunch. I got married up in Allegash, Maine. Um, it's uh, my favorite place to go. And Thanksgiving, my whole family goes there, and we all uh, had the best time in the world. Um, when I got married, they you know they just opened up the restaurant, and everybody got served there, and we all hung out. And um, it's eight hours up Maine, and Maine already is far enough for most people. And it's right on the river, um, the Allegash and St. John Rivers. Beautiful there. Um, there's no cell phone service, so you have to be forced to, to stay in the moment. Um, and it's uh, it's incredible there. I, I wouldn't want to go anywhere else if I had to choose for a restaurant and then be there with my family and all my friends and whoever else wants to party down. Fuck yeah, dude. That's a great answer to that one. So, yeah, dude, we have careened to the end. You have gone 10 rounds with Rhino. Devin, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you being on, man. That was super cool. It was super fun. It always goes by so fast. Like, you feel like, you know what I mean, we just started, but it's already over. So, again, man, thank you so much for joining me today, and we really look forward to seeing what's next for you in your career. Yeah, man. And you mentioned Risen or Ryzen, however you say it. That's one thing I always have dreams about. I always, uh, you know, I visualize because the Bellator thing, going and fighting, doing like a Bellator versus Ryzen thing. Um, I see those guys fighting, you know, for Bellator and then fighting the Risen guys or Ryzen guys in Japan. And that's definitely bucket list stuff. So I wanted to throw that in there because um, that's one of the coolest things ever. Um, I love seeing cross-promotional stuff where you see who's who, you know, whenever you're, you're, uh, you're really seeing the best guys if you can actually have weight classes from different leagues fight each other. And uh, no, I would love to I, see I totally that agree. happen. But, yeah, yeah, no, I totally agree. I've talked about that before too, like a like a KSW versus Combate and uh, and a UFC versus Ryzen or a Bellator versus Ryzen or you know Crossroads. Which I totally agree with you. That would be so fucking awesome. So hey, dude, maybe we've spoken this into existence. Maybe this is gonna be <laughs> the the flashpoint to get the ball rolling for you turning into a uh, Ryzen fighter. Your next fight out. So again, man, thanks so much for coming on, and uh, we will definitely talk at you soon. Thanks, man. Much appreciated. This is Devin Powell, and I just went 10 rounds with the Rhino. Man, Devin, thank you so much for coming on this week, dude. That was too fun. Uh, great insight, great stories. Uh, you were so, so open into talking about everything. I can always tell when someone's really just kind of comfortable and giving us answers, and you were you were absolutely that. 
Wonderful guy. Great to talk to you. Great fighter. Can't wait to see what's next. I would love to see uh, you over in Ryzen like we talked about. That would be awesome. So good luck to you. Congratulations already on what you've succeeded with in your career thus far. And I'm really looking forward to the next few chapters, my man. So that careens us to our shout out portions of the day to everybody who called in or wrote in. So Jim Asun, Juice, then Dave Fretz, Raging Sweet Potato, Mr. B, Cyrus, Phil. I hope I didn't forget anybody. I don't think I did. Uh, thank you, Phil, the MMA dude. Thank you guys all so much for participating this week. The show is so much better when you guys are doing that. To everybody else in the Rhino gang, thank you guys so much. Every week we seem, this, we seem to have things going uh, in the upward trajectory, which I'm so appreciative of. Dre, a wonderful job as always. My man, D. Reigns, best engineer in the world. And if I, I don't want to get political and I don't want to get too out of the realm of MMA, but... We have to love each other. We have to have justice for those who have had unjust done to them. This is a country built on a lot of bad ideals, and we are now the time to change them, okay? Everybody on this planet is worthy of life and justice and to live in a good, just society, okay? Love your neighbor. Love your friend, no matter what they look like. Love everybody. There's still this COVID-19 going on. Practice social distancing. Uh, stay home when you can. Love your friends. Love your neighbors. Love all you guys. Thank you, Rhino Gang. Uh, we will see you next week. Cage side.